This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and writing, acting, cinematography, direction, a little of everything, actually, by focusing on HBO's Euphoria. To hash it out, I am joined by guest Alexandra Parsons of Alexandra Parsons. Parsons.com. Alexandra the Great. Welcome Hi. again. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So good to be here. So good to be here. Um, God, we've been talking about Euphoria for a long time, mm-hmm. and today's the day. Yeah, today's the day. I've been doing a lot of juicy research. And- <laughs> juicy, melodramatic, teen drama research. You know the kind, guys. So yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, Euphoria is is just that. So, um, guys, when you mix, if you haven't seen Euphoria, if you mix uh, the classic high school drama formula, and uh, me and Alexandra's day was like Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero, but uh, whatever your example is, just put that in your head. Just if you mix that with a fucking extremely dark, drug riddled tale of desperation trials (laughs) tribulations a la something like requiem for a dream and that's when you get something like euphoria the show focuses of course on young teen angst and what changes as as they go through their teenage years into adulthood and all their experiences therein while also putting a lens on young drug abuse and addiction it's been uh often billed as kids meets train spotting now before we can discuss of course we all need a little background so the show was written by sam levinson that is the son of filmmaker barry levinson um if uh, all those film enthusiasts ryan i know you're listening right now all the audio uh, audiophiles um film filmophiles out there uh film connoisseurs he is best known of course for his direction of uh very famous films the most famous being rain man 
1988. And this is the son of Mr. Barry Levinson. And uh, now this, what a lot of people don't know is this, you may, I'm not even sure if you knew this, Miss Alexander the Great, that this was, this show was based on a different show in Israel. It's, it was a miniseries. Yeah. Huh. Miniseries of the same name created by Ron Lesham, Tamira Yardini and Daphna Levin. It stars Zendaya, of course, uh, Maude Apatow, Angus Cloud, Eric Dane, Alexa Demi, Jacob Elardi, Barbie Ferreira, Mika King, Storm Reed, Hunter Schaefer, Al G. Smith, Sydney Sweeney, Coleman Domingo, Javan Walton, Austin Abrams, and Dominic Fike. The music is composed by Labyrinth. It's executively produced by Levinson, of course, and Daya, Ron Lesham, and Gary Lennon. But and also it has like a lot of a long, long, long laundry list of, of EPs, including like the rapper Drake and shit. Two seasons have been completed as of this recording, premiering on June 16th, 2019 and June 9th, 2022, respectively. It's won a number of accolades, including a British Academy Television Award, a TCA Award, and uh, Zadaya herself won an Emmy and a Satellite Award and a Satellite Award for Best Actress in a Drama Series. And don't worry, guys, it's been renewed for a third season. Yay! <laughs> I'm excited. I know. Oh, God. Okay, so we are going to, God, dive in. We're, we're not going to focus on all the plot lines, as mm-hmm. um, there's different YouTube shows, different podcasts for that. We're going to focus, of course, on the art. But before we do, of course, we need a little word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the novel The Entropy Sessions, a tale of loss, love, and madness in our past, present, and future relationships with technology. Find it on Amazon and as an audiobook through Audible. Your support helps us continue our journey. And good news, this is a rarity for this show. As of today, the Kindle version of The Entropy Sessions is totally free. We're doing a little sale for you guys, a little promotion. So June 21st, 2022 through June 25th, 2022, The Entropy Sessions is completely free on Kindle. Check it out, guys. Now back to the show. So um, like I said, this is a character piece through and through. My God, um, I can't mm-hmm. even remember all the goddamn plot lines people blackmailing other people all of the <laughs> all of the double crossing and and double agents triple agents all this shit it doesn't so it much does, drama <laughs> guys it doesn't matter <laughs> right much. yeah what matters is the rich beautiful characters and character development so we're going to focus on that today i'm of course going to start with miss ruby bennett rue bennett Played by Zendaya, the mm-hmm. protagonist. Um, I'm gonna pass it. I've been. I, I'm gonna shut up. It's time to pass <laughs> it over to Alexander the Great. What's your first impression of Miss Rue? Um, that's a good question. My f- first. <laughs> I always say that. Don't overthink <laughs> it. Yeah. No, it's true. She's you know she's a tortured soul. She's a t- oh you know, my god. She's yeah. some. She's the epitome of like meant a lot of what has been happening. I think and building up. And being more vocalized in our society right now is a lot of mental health issues and um, self-medicating and people, how they deal with their grief. So she's just someone that's lost and in pain and is trying to escape from it. 
and trying to just find that next fix. So her character development is like that classic, like hero's journey. Like, is she going to like, where is, where is she, what are her steps? What are her choices? How is she going to survive through her, the darkest day of the night? What's the famous saying? The darkest hour of the night. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. I don't know off the top of my head. Like it's the, it's the dark, darkest until the dawn, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Something like right? that. So, I mean, we all go through those in real life we all have Mm -hmm. that the characteristics and the um our character plots like you know um i'm a big joseph (laughs) the the movie of our lives right yeah i'm a big joseph campbell fan so like i love um all of that type of twists and turns and character development where you um it's like yeah the hero's journey um or your archetypes and she's definitely that the protagonist and where you you want her to do better and the whole thing is she struggles with is she a good person and she doesn't think she's a good person and her ha- at the end of do it like, you having- think i i don't i don't know if i think she's a good person i don't i actually feel that way for the through the first two seasons don't you yeah no it i there are especially when she gets into those like really physical confrontations she's not thinking about her oh, sister man. yeah she's like she's ripping so many new assholes jesus christ yeah and season two that was that was intense um to watch her just like struggle and transform like as soon as someone said no to her she yeah. would just lash i mean it was intense it was it was incredible it was a roller coaster ride of emotions when she would just turn Right. And I think that's important. Um, I think you said it very well, Miss Alexandra, that this is um, as the protagonist. I guys, I know (laughs) if you're like me, kind of in the intro to this section, you're probably lost remembering all the other plot lines as well. And it guys, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The only plot line that you need to (laughs) really focus on is that arc of Rue, which is uh, her journey to sobriety finding herself and understanding um, the situation that she not only put herself in, but maybe how to get out of it. Because what is the, I think the, how she got here, that's kind of what the first two seasons really explores is how we got into this downward spiral of drug abuse and addiction. And that is through depression and the loss of her father, right? Mm. Uh, that she has to fill this void. It's extreme loss and extreme depression and sadness, and she is self-medicating um, with that grief. And that's what I think the show, the seasons are slowly getting towards, is that she, and this is what I was alluding to when I was asking you the question, I think, and she's written this way, I, in, in my humble opinion, she's written to be not liked she's she is a bad person right now but i think she slowly will become a better person and that's a good segue to uh jules vaughn her love interest played by hunter schaefer um i feel like when jules comes in she initially starts as this catalyst to change but she realizes that she is not it's not quite working out to her initial vision when she thought she was falling in love with with Jules, uh, and um, and uh, God, I gotta say, this was a perfectly cast mm-hmm. person. Yeah, as as a as a trans um, beautiful woman. This is a trans trans teenager going through so many different metamorphoses like changing to a new school like parents are divorced um and i was just had realized like their addictions are kind of 
they're almost going through the same thing. It's just different. Like she's addicted to not dealing with her issues with her mother, which they don't they don't talk about that at all. The issues with the mom, which I think is good because it would have taken away from Rue. Um, But like her addictions to like constantly hooking up with strangers and finding that fantasy and finding that like escapism, not dealing with her mother's addiction, but then she ends up just doing the same cycle with Rue. So she's a really, but she's just, but they show her as this really beautiful little bright light, a very opposite personality to Rue where Rue Mm. just wears everything on her, like on her arms. Everything is like, she's, She's like, I'm not going to pretend to be something else. Not saying that Jules is pretending to be somebody else, but she's definitely more of like a little, she even dressed like an angel. Ooh, I, you know, we talked about this in the pre-show. Guys, if you don't know this, there is two, like a part one and a part two, essentially uh, bridge-like episodes between season one and season two. And you try to, you you learn a little more about what happens at the, at the end of season one and before season two. And I think uh, to kind of encapsulate what you're trying to describe is when she says, I, I think I changed myself to be a model of what I think men want. Mm, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was so powerful in that speech of like, Oh man, she's really seeing what she thought she was trying to become and realizing that it was taking kind of a, a dark turn that she she was turning into what someone else wanted these men wanted and lusted over and not maybe what she really wanted in terms of this ultimate idea or absolute idea of femininity i think it's got to be fascinating to hear a trans woman kind of speak so eloquently i know it's a written character but speak so eloquently about femininity in this different era of time and and then the fact that she discussed about maybe getting off her hormones and seeing the the mental uh metamorphosis of like what this trans person was going through which we really don't see that very very rarely do we get to see that in um tv shows or movies oh yeah it really is giving an an excellent lens on on the change changing cultural landscape and now we get to see it in this of course it's an extreme version of of reality this is like hard hard fiction i always joke like i remember like when i was growing up and seeing you know whatever era you grew up in there's like porkies or american pie all these like teen dramas that are like hyper sexualized and kind of like fucking stupid and silly and i would always like kind of have this moment where it's like high school is nothing like this jesus christ it's so boring compared to how it's presented on the big screen and this is no different like (laughs) please don't emulate some of these people guys jesus christ i so I was homeschooled through high school, so something, oh, I don't know if you knew that. We're getting, um, no, we, we're getting to know Alexandra today, guys. Jeez, I did not know that. But I grew up in South Florida mm. and um, near, like, not far from Miami. And watching that was a little triggering because it reminded me of how I grew up. Like, there was a lot of opioid addiction around me. My friend's father used to sell it, and like, I, th- I went to jail. It was like this whole. There's always drama with. I think maybe I might have related most to. Sexy, um, because I was kind of like I indulged a little bit when I turned eighteen. But were you I, were I was, you a quiet gal growing no, up? No, no, I'm not. I was not quiet, but I was more of the mom. I was making sure everyone was okay. Um, oh, that's my, how you relate to Lexi. Then. Yeah, I was making okay. sure everybody was okay. You were the mature one. Yeah, and I was I was writing poetry and like a, a big writer and stuff too. So I was just kind of like and being my 
the weirdo artsy girl that's going to go to New York, which yeah. kind of I related to jewels like that, the fashion designer. So there, but it was more of just like just the, some of the drama and people cheating on each other and like abuse and uh, you. I always we always knew like some drug dealer like that was our friend. <laughs> like it was like so it, this hit home a little more. It hit home. Maybe, it wasn't quite maybe most other people. It wasn't quite like that because this is also a TV show and they made yeah, it. They a, glamorized it. It's not as yeah, glamorous. Like <laughs> oh god no no Dr- drug but, abuse is not glamorous. But even some of the fashion was kind of like the things that we wore. Like I used to make sure my stomach was always showing. And like it was just when girls at that age, especially in that environment of like an urban city, even if it like even if it was low income or not. Yeah, let's do a little let's do a little um, tangent corner. Like what did you get? What did you you guys? What did you think of uh, the wardrobe? I know we wanted to talk about that in some of our episodes. Um, yeah, talk a little bit as our fashion expert, our NDP fashion expert. Kind of okay, talk a yeah, bit sure. I, I I loved it. I think they um, some of it was, of course, has become a catalyst for a lot of like what trends are happening right now. It, ugh, like I don't agree. <laughs> like I'm seeing girls dressing like that. And I'm like, oh god, please stop. Like it doesn't. You, 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 you shouldn't. Like especially like in this. Like if I go to the suburbs of Georgia, you're like, why are you wearing this? You are not. Um, you're not what's her name, Maddie. Like, but in South Florida, like you know, Miami, we like we kind of dress like that. So some hmm. of the fashion in itself, like I love jewel style. She was she was creative. How do you great. feel about her makeup style? Because I feel like what they try to do with the uh, the eyes, they did something different with the eyes. I think almost every yeah every episode, maybe even scene. That's how I feel looking back on it. They made it look more professional than it would be in real life. Of course, mm. you know, you're like in real yeah. life, it would be like a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> like you'd have a 16 year old, you're uh, like, what 16 yep. year old like would be doing it? Yeah. Would get that right? Like have like beautiful yellow eyebrows, like perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, it was, but again, it's not real life. Like it's, right. it's also a TV show. So, um, and I'm just seeing all the trends from that show are, are being, are becoming more mainstream now. Like all of these eyeshadows and glitter has, has been back. And, yeah. um, you could see on Instagram to like, get the euphoria picture you want. <laughs> you're like, Oh Jesus. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's so, pull it back to, uh, your, your connection with Lexi. I think that's important because Lexi is the audience people forget that that mm-hmm. there's always a character that is essentially a surrogate for you and me and everyone watching and um and lexi is that that's played by maud apatow the daughter of judd apatow the filmmaker um and this was uh she did an excellent job but um what i think was great about lexi is in season two when she found herself so to speak and she wrote that play and uh, she and she did that play for the whole mm-hmm. um, school. She was kind of a badass bitch all of a sudden. Yeah. And she was the boss, you know, and I love this. Talk about an arc. It was, it was a tiny arc. You know, it's not as mm-hmm. important as Ruse, but um, I love that. And that actually is I'm getting ahead of myself, but just talking about the the literal visual art of the show and um, how things are made to look and kind of the style with their imagery and cinematography is it it dawned on me in that second season when Lexi took over I was like oh the show whole the whole show is shot like a theater play yeah that was great are you also you're talking about like there was the scenes where or was that an episode one where Zidzenia's playing like the detective? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, all of the like inner monologue stuff that they actually act out or mm-hmm. pop culture stuff. Or I mean, even down to 
lighting, like a hard spotlight on somebody, you know, when that when one of the female characters like falls out of a out of a desk, you know, and then everything around it goes black. It was know? very theater. It was yeah, very, very theatrical yeah. in mm-hmm. a very traditional theater play kind of way. Yeah, I, I noticed that and I did really enjoy it. I was like, I feel like I'm watching like these like. So it became very meta, right? So when they were yeah. doing the they were doing the play about the characters, but it was clearly shot and talk about the best fucking high school play production i've ever seen like who has the budget in this high school to put on a revolving floor that moves as they move like i was like i, I was like jesus we didn't have this shit in my high school my, but any, my I friend said that too. yeah my, my friend said that a couple people were like oh I, I when it got to the play i thought it was kind of stupid and i was like i loved the play like i yeah. thought the play was like a big slap in the face to make everybody like because fez says it as fez says it in one of the episodes where he's like some people People need they need the truth and they need to get hurt. They need their feelings hurt. And it was kind of yeah. like everybody was getting like a big and then they became into it and loved it. But it also was a reminder that it that this is also not real. This is also just a show. You know, it's 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 too and that's the beauty of of art and these kind of stories and this this medium of fiction too, the the television show, is that um they have a perfect opportunity to make things very extreme and very metaphysical to, again, you know, the whole point is to make us think about our own lives, right? Every mm-hmm. great story is about the human condition. And mm-hmm. um, I, I love just that ju- juxtaposition of Lexi from the first season versus the second season. And that actually takes us probably to a good segue to the next character on our list, Miss Maddie Perez. Maddie! Uh, Maddie <laughs> is a... Um, Maddie, of course, is Nate's on-again, off-again girlfriend. And uh, she's kind of the closest thing to a somewhat of an antagonist. This is, you know, when this is what people forget when it comes to drug stories. Uh, mm-hmm. When there is a character addicted to a drug in any capacity, that drug is the antagonist. That drug yes. is the villain the whole time. It doesn't always have to be a tangible person or a villain. Uh, but when we start seeing things like, the fucking again guys you probably forgot about this since there's so many other plot lines going on there's like b through z plot lines uh going on is remember there was a there was a love triangle between cassie maddie and nate and that's uh, it's not important but we we get to see the the fire that is maddie and i feel like we i think everybody had that friend or knew a Maddie type in high school. Did you? Oh, you're homeschooled, <laughs> um, so no. But I w- were which, you the Maddie? You must have been the Maddie. No, I'm kidding. The, no, the the fighting one. I was when I watched that last episode when she went to go beat her, like beat her up. I was like, oh my god, that was me. I was like, like this bitch needs to. I was quiet. What did she say? I forgot what she said. This bitch. This bitch needs to be put in her place. Yeah, that. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Just like how because I, you know, I had my, I used to have my nails done and French manicures. I'm like I was unfortunately not proud of this and people are always surprised because i am like a practicing buddhist now but mm. uh i was we're learning you know, a lot I, about you today I had, a te- I had a temper i'm sorry i'm being a little bit of a leo making this about me no no um, no, no please yeah uh, so that's why we have guests on the show we want, <laughs> we want it to be about you i used to get into a lot of fist fights and i a lot of it was i would have not fr- guessed that a lot of them was with my the, friends you're scrappy yeah. Scrappy I'm scrappy. Fighter. Yeah. My dad, okay. my brothers, I grew up with boys. I'm the youngest at five and they taught me how to fight. And in sixth grade, I got in a physical, like my first fist fight and I won it. And I was at a private school and she kept picking on me. So I was more of like, like I held it in until, until I found my voice until yeah. I, 
it's not i don't recommend it you shouldn't be violent <laughs> but like a lot of my Agreed. friends were Agreed. were not like the, uh, the reason that i would get into fights with them was like they were either blackout drunk in front of my parents house or they were about to get in a fist fight with their mom there i mean these are all real stories i mean you could so a lot of it was me trying to protect them by like stopping them and then they hit me and it's always like some type of drama so maddie like Jesus. that to, i know it's like i i, so I watched the show and i was like oh shit this is hitting close to home <laughs> um, close to but home. that part of maddie yeah but i was not I was not definitely not the girl that the the guy wanted to date. I was a little I was much more nerdier and didn't come of my own till I got older. I was uh I was probably a lot more like the uh the next person on our list that is Miss Cat Hernandez. Oh. I was uh, I was a real big kid growing up. Um, mm -hmm. I was I was the heavy kid, the fat kid. I didn't have quite the sexual awakening like Kat does in this in this first season. I can at least relate to the journey she went through to find herself. Mine wasn't a sexual awakening. Mine was just more of a um, being confident in myself. And I was kind of the nice guy that finishes last growing up, that type of guy. And I realized, man, we, us nice guys get walked on a lot if we don't stand up for ourselves and uh, be more confident in who we are. And so that was kind of my journey as the fat kid. Uh, and then and then eventually I, I slimmed down a bit. What's great too is that this is how you know it's more of a planner show than a plotter show, is that member in the first season, every single character gets like an episode dedicated to them. This is another thing where kind of like in your uh, discussion on jewels, we don't see a ton of representations of people that embody a character like Kat. So I like to see that, you know, um, someone, a uh, cat is played by Barbie Ferreira, mm -hmm. um, that we, we got that, that representation and we got these uh, character developments and, and, and arcs and things like that. Um, and that is a, another good, perfect segue to cassie howard which is mm. played by sydney sweeney the insecure beauty so is in a relationship that type of person she has to feel loved all the time she has to have attention all the time and uh before i pass it to you i will say this i'm curious to, to hear what you think mm -hmm. i felt like season two was just her crying the whole time yeah like every yeah. time i think of season two it was just like her bawling the whole fucking it was season. kind of funny she's on the like she was constantly like on the verge of like, she's having yeah. like, a mental breakdown like exactly, the entire like, episode but i will say this okay I, I don't know how you feel and i i actually you know we're getting at least through the main cast here pretty soon and then we're just going to do a lightning round with the supporting cast before we go into the the hard visual art mm -hmm. of the show and that is um i think sydney sweeney the actress playing cassie mm -hmm. is the best actress on that show she's that's, fantastic that's, i yeah. that's, that's what i think because i'm like she can go from fucking zero to 60 like she can be this like weird wreck of a woman and then she can be like happy go lucky act like she's on fucking molly or whatever that scene was at the the carnival and then she can go back to crying the rest of the season i don't know like it's it's hard to to, to switch the water yeah to put the waterworks on so easily as in an actor, opinion. I'm not yeah. an actor, but like I, I oh, can't. we're actors. I, I, I'm a strong believer. <laughs> I, I've always joked. I think I joked about this in 
Oh yeah, with uh, probably me and Buck's episode on severance. That this is exactly why I didn't go into acting. Is that I think we all act in some capacity in our everyday lives, mm-hmm. and so it's not. I I wanted to challenge myself a little more as an artist and and do something that I don't normally do in my everyday life. Because when you're at work, you're a different person. When you're around your friends, you're a different person. And when you're around grandma, you're usually a different person. So we all act in my opinion. We do, yeah. I try I try very hard to I, I feel like I act the most what I'm teaching my kindergarten first grade kids. Well you have to. You have to you're you are the um, Oh god, I bet. You are the um you know, you're the role model. So mm-hmm. yeah, you have to model a role. <laughs> I've I promised myself a while ago and my sister kinda like gets she thinks I'm playing devil's advocate with my parents, but I try my hardest to just would constantly be as authentic in myself around my parents and even if that means yeah yeah it was something that i I had to be like you need to be yourself because you're lying to yourself if you're not you're lying to them that's just me not for everybody else that's just (laughs) well i I can be myself but for example this is what i mean is obviously i have a bit of a a mouth like a sailor. I'm not sure if you guys noticed yet, but <laughs> but uh, I can't do that around my parents. They absolutely hate cursing. Like if I even drop a hint of an f bomb, you know, or say heck instead of hell. Um, oh, actually, yeah. my mom, my mom actually does listen to these shows for the record, and that was the first thing she said to me. She's like, "Why do you got to curse, Novo? Come on, do you got to do you really? Couldn't it be the same show without you like cussing left and right?" I was like, "No, that's it's who I that's who I am." Come on, mom. Yeah. Who I am. And it's your show. It's your show. And you can do what the fuck you want. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I curse. My dad curses a lot. My mom usually doesn't. But as she's gotten a lot older, she's been like cursing, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like I just no holds bar. And that leads us to the last two on our main characters list. And that is uh, Nate Jacobs and Cal Jacobs, his dad. So Nate Nate Jacobs is a complete psycho. (laughs) We learned that right away. My wife when we were watching the show was sociopath right well i was i would say true psychopath because he beat the living shit out of you know um those other supporting characters yeah yeah, you know very violent Uh, it's disturbing and and he does the most blackmailing like he blackmailed jewels you know he the web of deception and all these very nefarious things he does to the other main characters and supporting characters to a lesser extent is is uncanny so uh, god now i didn't put this in in our outline but he's kind of an antagonist as well yeah and um he's definitely the villain right um in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and then cal jacobs his dad remember he's a uh i don't know if he's a closet homosexual i think he's he would be considered bisexual because he still likes women he'd be a pansexual because pansexual okay. have se- yeah he had sex with a transgendered like he doesn't care he no, just kind of wants he doesn't care he wants whatever he wants the power that's why he records them as well kind of a thing yeah but uh i thought it was i didn't see this coming i will say i would say the award so we're gonna <laughs> we'll do like high school superlatives the award for a biggest arc surprise goes to cal jacobs because i didn't think they were going to develop him like they did yeah in fact the in second in the second season they gave him one of those like standalone character pieces where we see him as a young man learning about his sexuality and then they have they have a they have an uh uh-oh they have they have to make a family yeah yeah yeah. uh well not a fair i was talking about like when as soon 
soon as his he finds out his girlfriend is pregnant, he pretty oh, much. Oh, that yeah, I forgot about that. And then you know, he really... has a he has the uh, the uh oh the surprise um, you know kid in high school situation, and mm-hmm. um, he he pretty much gives up his life to be this family man, but then he can't lie to himself, um, and so he lies to everybody else, and he lives a second life until the end of the second season. When God, this, it was a weird episode where he goes on this drunken rampage, and then he, he lost it. Yeah. Yeah, he lost like, it. He couldn't hold it anymore. He just literally he pisses on the ground, <laughs> and he tells his uh, his family the truth, and then and then leaves, and then of course his, his son rats him out to the police again, mm-hmm. and that is our uh, that is our main. Um, this is what I've learned. This is yeah, this is our main cast, and this is what I've learned with stories like this. Almost every character, there's not really a shining light. Maybe Lexi. Lexi is kind of the shining light of everybody, and um, my God, it's. Um, it's quite quite the uh rich this is the the epitome of three-dimensional characters um let's go through the supporting characters really quick uh and then let's let's just talk visual art uh so uh angus cloud plays fesco the 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 drug dealing slow talking who i think is one of my favorite characters (laughs) he is one of my favorite characters so yeah and then this is where uh and then his uh quote unquote little brother they're not family by blood but by choice by their crazy gangster mother which i love that episode that was cool she's a badass bitch (laughs) she's amazing yeah she's another badass bitch but uh but ashtray played by uh javon walton fez's quote unquote little brother this Mm -hmm. is where it really got to like hard hard fiction and then this is like where um it's almost like surrealistic fiction surrealism Mm -hmm. and often in the show it's they 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 call it emotional realism but how the show is actually i think given to the audience this will be a little segue to the next segment of the show since it has such a strong color theory visual component i would call it expressionistic realism mm, i like that name for that i like that yeah. yeah just to run down the rest of the list is cat's love interest ethan daly played by austin abrams elliot is played by dominic fike that's the the character that creates this kind of weird love triangle in season two between rue and jules elliot is a beautiful you know he's, yeah, he's him and, um and jules in real life are together yeah yeah yeah, yeah. beautiful beautiful couple oh my god and then um Allie, the sponsor, Rue's sponsor, her mother and sister. But you know, I, I have to I have to tell you a secret. You know who my favorite character is of the supporting cast is uh Lori, the school teacher turned drug dealer, <laughs> drug supplier, the one that's real monotone. You know what wait, I'm talking about? Wait, no, hold on. Yeah, Lori, Lori from season two, she's the the, the drug dealer that's like oh, real Lori. monotone. Yeah. She was a school teacher? Yeah, she's a school teacher turned drug supplier. Oh, she did say that Lori was yeah, Lori was great. Great. There's something about her. It's like just this, this like she's like, I never get mad. You know, like just this weird character. I don't know. I, well, I she seemed like she was on the spectrum. Like she seemed like a deliberate on the spectrum yeah, individual. That's a good point. And she Ooh, was good point. very that's why she's like brilliant and really good with money. And also scary because she's like, okay. And Fesco is kind of let you're led to think that way about him too. Fez that he's kind of this on the spectrum. A he's little really bit. Yeah. Things like that. And Ashtray, he doesn't talk at all in season two. He 
he only talks a little bit in season one. He you is, know? um, God, what a strange character. Like I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself, but be constantly yelling at the screen and being like, wait, the little boy is a fucking gangster in this. Yeah. Like what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And he did the end. Should we not talk about that? That's how he, oh, that was, if you haven't uh, seen the show, pause it right here. And if you're still listening, tough titties, we're going to talk about it. Cause it's what we do on our show. So yeah, do give it to us. Well, um, no, it's just he I was watching something on YouTube with his character, which is really interesting. Like one of the first things that you see is him in the bathtub and they name him Ashtray because he's eating um, like at cigarette buds. And the, oh, the mom's like, I gotta call him Ashtray. Look at this kid. And then, like, <laughs> the grandmother. And That's then uh, thank you. And then um, he dies in the bathtub, basically. Yeah, or he like true. kind of in the bathroom. Like he, he gets shot. Oh, he does get shot. Yeah. And he gets pull off Fez. You know, oh, he goes in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. He, he goes in the bathtub to like because he knows that like he can't they're if they take his brother away then he'll have nothing and he'd rather sacrifice um that i think in a way then that's very fitting that yeah we end with season two and we need to we need to switch gears and talk about the hard visual art of the show which is the imagery and cinematography um we can talk about a lot we've kind of you know breadcrumbs here and there about talking about these things when we we're going through the characters I, I think a good place to start, and I'm going to pass it back to you, is with the extreme mature subject matter that the show yeah. uh, talks about and the nudity. I was very, some I kept going back and forth of being like, okay, this is just kind of gratuitous for gratuitous sake. But then I could see like the showrunners being like, well, we want to be shocking. We want you to, you know. And uh, for the first time in a long time, probably, I don't, please tweet at us if anybody knows this, probably more D's than V's. D's, V's, and B's. I I feel like there was so many, so much more dick than naked women which they never, in a show. What they, they never do, do right? That. Exactly. Yeah. That's it's my about, point. It's about it's time. Like, yeah, that's. I even feel that way as <laughs> as a guy. I'm like, it's kind of about time. It, it, we need a little more equality in the world, and I'm a big uh, equality uh, supporter for, be. for everybody. <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. And so yeah, I was. I I, I surely there's got to be some somebody out there tweet at us, email us. I bet someone has kept count. <laughs> Oh, someone has to. Of all many... the D's versus the V's, and I, I, I would be a betting man and say there's, there's more. There's more. Because the even side. in the first episode where, or the pilot where she's, uh, Jules is like on Grinder or whatever. I don't think they called it Grinder, but whatever their app is, and she's just, just like seeing all the dick pics on the app. I was like, are they actually showing that? I'm They're like, okay. showing a lot of dicks, yeah. Especially with the flash, the flashback with um, Cal. Yeah, when they were just well, that and even with Nate. But anyways, okay, uh, we we digress. Let's let's pull it back. The point is, is like they are doing, they are pushing envelopes like we've never seen before in a teen drama show. Right? We have drug abuse, we have uh, drug addiction, we have extreme mature subject matter, and then extreme levels of nudity like we've never seen before. But it's all handled very artistically surprisingly and we're seeing that with lighting and framing just like we were talking about in terms of how the whole show is kind of shot like a theatrical play and then that's when we bring in the very fascinating cinematography color palettes and color theory the biggest ones are the primary colors the red blues and yellows reds obviously for moments of passion and anger and despair blue for sadness and melancholy and yellow for kind of like for lack of a better 
better way to put it, like eureka moments, like, you know, yellow mm-hmm. as in, as if it it's used like high density light. And what surprises, I think, a lot of people is that the show is actually lit pretty in a very traditional way. They don't think they really do anything extraordinarily, you know, groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. They're just using these hard colors. And then, of course, the famous drug color of them all is purple. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say the pur- purple. Purple haze. And what people don't realize is, you know, a lot of our contemporary culture is in the cinematography just like you know when someone does a selfie and stuff they are doing these really hard sharp um focuses in the foreground and then they're blurring out the background just like a selfie Mm -hmm. and then the motion of the camera uh it's usually really smooth creates a lot of forward momentum it just you just put it all together and it creates this very unique look for the show it reminds me of like the when i shoot with um my nikon you have a 50 millimeter lens so yeah everything is blurred in the background um yeah the violet colors the monochromatic purples and stuff really stood out especially rue's jacket every time she wore her dad's jacket that red color that Mm. dark burgundy color always was like such a reminder of like her melancholy her grief that it's it it was her dad's but she's always wearing it and you see that color kind of uh transmute into the rest of the film a lot um i think right and they use i was like just looking up i was looking up like they use a 35 millimeter kodak um ectrochrome film camera for the second so like that which is apparently was like not not a normal camera to, to use is all I guess they did that all digitally done but I tend to focus on like what they're doing with the camera like a good example is the carnival uh, episode where they do this big long well it's 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 edited to make it look like one long continuous shot there's actually it's actually five different segments pieced mm. together but they do everything all the traditional camera use techniques so they have the big stands they have it on a track uh obviously i don't even think they're doing handheld because everything is so smooth right yeah and they want to be able to show the movement of every single main character in the carnival as as they're moving along or coming towards each other or whatever the whatever the movement is and mm-hmm. they're doing that so flawlessly how they're directing the scene yeah because he's trying to focus on like the feeling of everything oh right? yeah i mean yeah, um, more so. it's at a very emotional <laughs> it's called euphoria so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah everything is um yeah that's that's the i think i mean this guy comes from fucking uh film royalty practically the when cinematographer you learn about... or the, the oh, no no the, the showrunner yeah the creator the, the, the writer Levinson. and director Okay. Yeah, exactly. But the cinematographer is Marcel Rev. Do you know anything about him? Or what I don't know. I, I I watched interviews. So for when I was doing my homework for the show, I watched interviews, and you can tell that this is uh, this team, including him, but the whole team is such a lover of art house, but also like the the full. St- spectrum of filmmaking so Mm -hmm. uh traditional art house versus big blockbuster filmmaking and that that really there i feel like there is a good intersection between those two things that make euphoria euphoria because like i said before they're using a lot of tried and true techniques you know um i believe pablo picasso famously said you know good artists borrow and great artists steal and they don't he never meant for the record guys jesus christ he never meant literally stealing taking something that's already established we see this in music all the time putting your own spin on it but if you're doing that with a lot of different things people can recognize you know uh the people that 
know how the art is made can recognize that in the art. But if it's done to on a certain scale and done in a very unique way, and this is a perfect example of someone that put their own spin on it, it, became, it becomes its own thing. And we see this all the time in the show, this dichotomy between art house style and kind of, you know, traditional big blockbuster filmmaking. I mean, they're like the end of season one, for example, they could have done anything, but they did a huge dance number, this big old large dance number at the end of season one. Oh my God, to I love show, that. Yeah, to show what's going on with Rue, right? Like they could have picked anything. It could have been a conversation with Jules. It could have been, you know, it could have been anything to really encapsulate what's going on with our main protagonist and what's going on in her head. But we we get an interpretive dance number. I thought mm-hmm. that was that. Now, that was a little on the art house style, obviously. And then, it, you know, we see it a little everywhere. Like even when, uh, like I didn't really realize this until the second season uh, is that, you know, throughout the show, Rue is the narrator, right? She does the voiceover work to talk about what's going on in screen. And there's often there is a difference between the actual character and the narrator, even when they have the same voice, right? But she eventually talks about herself as Rue when she's narrating. So that's breaking that fourth wall again. So art house style again. And you realize that the narrator the whole time is indeed Rue. I don't know if there's anything like that that really stood out to you. Those dichotomies between putting all of these pieces together, loving that spectrum, you know, between the art house, you know, the really, really artsy fartsy fucking shit. And then the really, you know, traditional filmmaking, let's entertain the audience kind of thing. But I don't know if there's anything that really stood out to you and, and artistically no artistically i loved that the um the scene where she goes and she breaks out into a song which is actually her singing right it's Sidenia singing that song i, I think, think I like, so I like most the other up. time we see it it's labyrinth singing uh, if you hear the same vocal timber mm-hmm. it's the actual um, music supervisor and composer for the show labyrinth actually doing a lot of the singing like when they're in the church that's labyrinth those um soulful gospel yeah yeah it was beautiful i thought that as an art major and everything i loved that um i think that i think you what word you used but the it was a good breakup like the fact that it it you have this like all this drama and seriousness and um slightly artsy fartsy and then you go into like the super like you said real like um magical like thinking or magical what's i don't know what word i'm looking for but uh <laughs> fantastical imagery of her going into surreal surreal dancing scene and then was it season one or two where she goes into um like detective mode oh god yeah i i thought I that was great that. yeah when she was like because they were kind of um making fun of um <laughs> what i call murder shows uh from an snl skit uh but no it's like you know every the the pop culture has really gravitated towards these you know murder investigation documentaries and so she and then she was she was the investigator for this scene like great. smoking a cigarette and stuff like that. it was like that sense of that yeah maybe it is like the pretentious artsy fartsy thing that i love but it it, it added that sense of humor no i didn't think i it didn't really think that it. one was that artsy i i just think they were playing around with uh, uh like vignettes they do that a lot you know these like almost like little skits you know kind of like when she was talking about god since we were talking about the nudity uh for half the show mm-hmm. when she was like there is a there is only one good way to have like send a dick pic and you know and she has like the oh overhead God, that was, like that was brilliant that <laughs> was projector. fucking brilliant yeah. i was like this is i forgot about that i think i need to go back and we watch that episode so i love i love things like that it just it makes it and they're sprinkled fun. everywhere in the whole show like those little moments where she like 
breaks because like this is you assume you know as the audience this is happening in her head right Mm -hmm. and then she breaks into this little vignette this little skit of her essentially again speaking directly into the audience so we're breaking the fourth wall we're being a little metaphysical but it's it's um because yeah i uh, people forget that this this show is written to be a little bit of a dark comedy too yeah when they're talking about all these things that and god remember me and alexandra we grew up in the 90s. I could not even fucking imagine being a kid in today's era with that level of of power in a cell phone, like in a smartphone, like power, but power versus dread. Zoomers? Are they called we call, Gen Z Zoomers? Is that why we call them Zoomers? Yeah, yeah, Zoomer yeah. kids? Okay. Well, I don't know um, why they're called Zoomers. I think it's just the dichotomy of, of boomers trying to give them a nickname that rhymes. And they like, oh, well, you're just Zoomers. If we're boomers, you're Zoomers. But but um, the point being is like, yeah, just to do a quick little tangent, I I, I would be or well, I wouldn't know it because I would live through it. But, you know, having a little bit of hindsight, I, I fear for these poor kids growing up in this particular era, the era of Instagram and smartphones. Not only can they communicate in a completely different way, but there are things, yeah, like Tinder and Grindr and things like that. But then mm-hmm. like Instagram, putting their lives on the Internet or watching other people's lives on the Internet instead of interacting interacting with them for sure. in real life and seeing these huge spikes in teen depression and suicide and all these things. And I feel like just to bring it back home, is this is why this show was written is to highlight these things, but also, you know, put it through the lens of addiction and abuse, because those are a lot of the same things, you know, people being addicted to their phones and going through and and going through depression and things like that through those mediums. No, it's true. And I thought something that kept repeating in my head as I watched the show, and you're completely right, is that it is the focus on Rue's um, sobriety or, or lack thereof and how violent and scary drug addiction is. And it is a disease. Absolutely, and yeah. it's a di- and you'll people will do anything for like the next fix because it takes over your whole body and they did such a great job making it people everyone i know is like i've had such anxiety watching that show i didn't really oh no i didn't at all i really enjoyed it i just just like this is brilliant i why why didn't i watch this when it first came out but i don't wasn't in the best place mentally when the first season came out so i was like i need to just watch funny stuff um but this was it's it's it was brilliant it's much needed it's much needed to talk about this and there's so much online bullying happening too with the yeah it's ultimate social commentary for that generation in, yeah, in so and many ways they're growing up faster like you have all these new york kids that like are evidently you think they- so i think it's the opposite i think they're having a very hard time growing up you think that they're growing up too fast my point was i would think where i was going is like a lot of they new york kids always grow up fast right like city kids grow up fast because they're sure. constantly everything's being put in their face these kids that are more in the suburbs are not like the rest of the world you know they're they're being are they being growing up too fast maybe that's what i meant to say with the social media or or is it your point that they aren't growing up there's no right or wrong answer i just you know objectively from my perspective i feel like they are having a very hard time growing up but i think it's a fascinating 
perspective to hear someone say they could be growing up too fast because they're being con- exposed to everything all at once. It's a big, it's a you're going into the metaverse, of constantly being over visually stimulated, and it's making them forget what it's like to have in person reality, like an in person conversation to just be friendly. It's like sometimes when you interact with Gen Z kids, especially the younger ones, they're kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know how to respond to you. Like, <laughs> But is that just a teenage angst? Is that just teenage angst? Or is, I mean... Yeah, where does one thing end and the other begin? Because each generation's always going to be like, our generation was better. Like, you know, every generation says that. (laughs) I don't don't know. I don't feel that way about ours. I don't think we were better. I don't, I don't, it's it's so... No, I don't think so either. It's so subjective and Mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, every... They're going to go through the same thing, just like how kind of like in our fashion show, like how there's this strange dichotomy between uh, our culture, you know, millennials versus uh, Gen Zers. Mm -hmm. And then Gen Zers will be in our shoes one day uh, Mm -hmm. and they'll be whatever name they give, you know, two generations below them. And they'll be talking about the same thing on a podcast just like this. And there will be some show like Euphoria that will yeah. give, that will bring it to, um, that will be able to give some very smart social commentary in a very entertaining way and dramatic way and melodramatic, my new way, to really understand as best we can what we're going through and what other generations are going through. So let's bring it on home, Miss Alexandra the Great, and tie a bow on this bee and tell the good people <laughs> they haven't already done so yet. Why should they get into euphoria i think that you should get into euphoria for if anything artistically it's um visually an amazing show Mm. and you won't be bored that's for sure but it was eye-opening to to see the perspective that this is something that a lot of teenagers go through through and adults with drug addiction and having a sponsor and it is a battle that any type of addiction like that's a whole show that we can have in itself is something that you deal with the rest of your life and i think that that's why that show's great because it goes into that and also being able to see a, a trans woman their transition their process as a high school and their viewpoint and having a relationship and just th- that is like there those those characters in itself i would just watch them together compared <laughs> to like even the rest of the show but i do also i mean representation right we're representation we're, i mean not not, not I think, we haven't seen this ever before until euphoria yeah and i, I think that everybody can relate to each character a little bit there's always a little bit of us in every character you know like there's that annoying thing where like our girlfriends will always be like are you samantha are you carrie like <laughs> oh my god which one are you no we're not doing that shit well like <laughs> they're just characters but just for the sobriety to understand like what it, the epidemic that's happening right now with opioids and it's been happening for a while is why i think it's so important to watch the show amen and there you have it guys uh euphoria for from top to bottom. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank my guest, Miss Alexandra Parsons. Thank but you. Before, you're welcome. But before we go, of course, you know, we got a little extra for you, a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top with what we call the gym of the week. If you don't know what the gym of the week is, if you're new to our show here, it's something that we like to talk about here at the end of our shows, but it doesn't always fit into the scheme of the episode. You know, it may be on our radar in the last day or so, week or so, maybe even months, but uh, we got to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper. But before we do we have to talk about their sponsor today's gems are brought to you by zencaster zencaster is our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings what's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks and it's all backed up on a secure cloud so you never lose your hard work even better it's easy to use and there's nothing to download so go to 
Zen, that's Z-E-N dot A-I slash Art of the Beholder, or just use promo code Art of the Beholder and get 30% off your first three months with the pro account. Now back to the gems. Uh, my gem is short and sweet. Um, when I, even before Stranger Things, that's what I'm getting towards, Stranger Things, even before it was released, I knew I was going to love this show. I knew it had everything. Same. Yeah. I, I was seeing like promos for it and I was like, God, this kind of reminds me of these old, you know, Spielberg movies, Wes Craven kind of stuff. And all, you know, all these, all this great pop culture films from the, from the eighties. And it, it, you know, it was given this very modern look and spin, but also feeding into, of course, our goddamn nostalgias. But they they pulled it off quite quite well. And we've uh, we've watched, uh, me and my family have watched uh, Stranger Things to this day. And we just finished season four, volume one. And it was another excellent take on their you know spin of that genre. And this one is a little more on the Wes Craven, Nightmare on Elm Street kind of, you know, version of how their show has evolved. You know, in the beginning, it was a little more E.T., right? A little more E.T., a little more thriller. Not, not MJ's thriller, just like the cat the genre movie thriller <laughs> like a film thriller and it has slowly evolved into a lot of different kind of things and this season is is focusing on the horror and it was a lot of fun i think they did really good and uh i this is not really a deep cut most people like stranger things just fucking keep watching it guys that's yeah. all i got to say the, this season did a good full circle i feel like um yeah it's my turn yeah, it's your turn okay. uh, mine's silly <laughs> but so i've been i'm working on a painting and i'm okay. working on a collection of paintings. what is ooh? what is the painting first <laughs> oh um so it is abstract surrealism and um i a lot of my work involves like geometric shapes and stuff so oh yeah um, expressionism love that stuff yeah and i've been watching a lot of bob ross and oh. <laughs> i just think that everyone should just it's so calming and relaxing we all love him and we so like, your gem is is bob ross yeah and it's just funny because lexi <laughs> lexi howard and you know mod apatow's character she <laughs> that, that was like the funniest little sense of humor that little eggshell or i don't know what you call it. you need that in the show like oh thank god she's the she's the comedy oh, relief yeah, yeah the easter eggs the comedy relief it's like the silent comedy relief we needed in that show she was like that reminds me of her mom i i loved cassie yes. and lexi's mom like in the woman that plays her and she yeah. was just like you know she's so blunt and she's like no people dress up to be like sexy for halloween or slutty or something <laughs> and you're dressing up as a 50 year old man i'm <laughs> I I dressed up as a never nude one year, but like oh, I had really? I had like a I had the mustache and I never had a, nude. What is that from again? Oh, God, it's I'm, from I'm Arrest, Arrested Development. Oh, I love Arrested. Development. And no, I had like yeah. the cream suit and like the jeans. It was just like nice. <laughs> so anyway, but Bob Ross, they I think like sometimes you could get it on your like sometimes your TV, your little will have it. You can find it anywhere and just like oh it's so nice. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Or yeah. YouTube. Oh yeah. Fall asleep sure. to it. It's great. And he's helped <laughs> me with my techniques. I was like, you know what? This has been helpful. Your trees look great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're happy too. Happy, happy little trees. trees. <laughs> uh guys, thank you so much for listening again. If you like that, of course you can follow us at all of our socials. That's at underscore novo underscore day days to ian at novo day media you can of course check out our products at novo day productions.com there you'll find things like 
like the entropy sessions, as already stated, uh, post meridium adulteration, cancel culture, lotto. Of course, this podcast will be ads for that and a lot more to come. We got a lot of thing, a lot of things in the oven and we'll share them with you as soon as we get them done. Um, so don't forget to like and subscribe, follow, hit that notification bell, do all the things, all the things that the algorithm likes and all of our fucking overlords do, uh, want mm-hmm. us to do rate and review. And if you'd like to sponsor our little love child here, you can reach us at Novadaymedia at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to check out Miss Alexander the Great, you can do so at alexandraparsons.com. If you want to purchase any of her mm-hmm. products, Alexandra, tell the good people how they can. Yeah, so you can find me also on Instagram. It's Alexandra underscore Parsons. And you'll see all my cool things that I'm doing there, drawings, illustrations. And you can also go on Etsy, Alexandra Parsons Co. That's CO at the end. And you can purchase anything you want on there. Or you can also, I do contract work. So if you want a special painting or special outfit, I'm your girl. There you go. Perfect. And until next time, guys, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media. At Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123. Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com. And executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.